Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can gather together. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to speak to every person in this room. That despite what I may or may not say, you've got something for every person in this room. So I ask that you give us ears to hear what you want to say. That our hearts would be open towards you and that uh, we would really pick up on what you've got to say to us today, to each one of us. From my point of view, Lord, whether it's got anything to do with what I'm talking about, I really don't mind. My prayer is that every person in this place encounters something of the love and the grace and the kindness and the mercy of Jesus. So we give this time to you gladly, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in Luke chapter 8, verse 19, and it's carrying on. It's the next passage in our Wherever, Whenever, Be Like Jesus series. And it's just a small passage this morning. It says this. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. In the Gospels, the Gospels, uh, the four Gospels, but three in particular, repeat the same stories over and over because the disciples that wrote them were eyewitnesses. They generally all say what's happening in the story just slightly different because how many of you know that if you and I see the same event take place in front of us and then we're asked to record it, we will uh, write something slightly different to each other. We're writing about the same event, but because of personality types and, and different things, we actually perceive the event slightly different. So if I was to write, um, um, I got rear-ended on was it Thursday, in the car. And uh, if I was to write an account of that, my account would be slightly different to what Jan's would be, even though she was in the car at the same time. Mainly because I would write, there was screaming in the passenger seat next to me, and Jan would write, the driver was exceedingly calm. <laughs> but we're talking about the same incident um, only we're seeing it through different eyes. And, and the Gospels are like that um, when, they, when they record things. But this is one of those accounts in the Gospel that are actually very, very similar from everybody's point of view. If you go to Matthew chapter 12, it's the same account, but it reads like this. While Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and brothers came and stood outside asking him to come out and speak with them. Then someone said, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to have a word with you. But Jesus just looked at him and said, let me introduce you to my true brother, uh, mother and brothers. Then just drink to the disciples gathered around him. He said, look closely for this is my true family. When you obey my heavenly father, that makes you a part of my true family. The third time it's recorded is Mark chapter 3, and it says it like this. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and walk, uh, talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Very similar. 
this small passage, but there's actually an abundance in there for us to consider as we go forward. But this morning, I would like us to look at the crowd. Consider the crowd in the scene because the crowd gathered in around Jesus. The crowd pressed in around Jesus. The word that's used there for crowd is actually the the Greek word for multitude. So it wasn't a small little gathering. There was quite a crowd there that who were pushed in around Jesus. And in that crowd, there would have been a variety of people. There were the disciples for a start because they were witnesses. They wrote about it. But then the whole nature of a crowd is it would have been a wider group of people from all over the place who were doing all sorts of things. Reminds me a little bit of our vision as Activate Churches, Activating Community Transformation and the fact that we want to reach into every part of community. I think the crowd would have come from every part of the community in this case. Can I pop that slide up? You would have seen this before. But our diagram of reaching into every part of the community at the stop at top, it says health and science. Then going left, it says government, sport and recreation, education, media and technology, social, arts, entertainment, family, commerce, law, world view. It covers actually every part of society there. And when I'm picturing this scene with Jesus, that's what I'm imagining. Society is there. They've come out. They want to hear him. They are curious and they want to hear and they want to experience Jesus. That's what it's about. There's a curiosity amongst people to see what's happening. There's a a curiosity and a desire to hear and to experience what happens when you come and you meet and you sit with Jesus. So this crowd is in around them, which brings me to a question, and it's this. Who do you know? Or who are you associated with? Sorry. Who needs to hear and experience Jesus? Because we all know people that whether they know it or not, they need to hear, they need to experience what it is to gather around Jesus. To experience Jesus. And we all know those people. Who's in your world that you know? Another question, what is your crowd gathered around? We all belong to a crowd. What is your crowd gathered around? Or who is your crowd gathered around? Because we tend to gather around things. Now, I don't think so much it matters. Some things, definitely not. But most things, it doesn't matter too much what we're gathered around. It's really about where they are in the pecking order of things that matters, whether they like have consumed our lives or not. I mean, I like all sorts of things. I like cars. I like motorbikes. I like boats. Love coffee. Like fishing. Uh, love my family and my friends. Those are all great things. And to some extent, I gather around those things with friends. But they're not what my life was gathered around. My life is gathered around someone or something different. Someone, I pray. I would like that if I drop dead in the next few minutes, which I plan not to, but you never know. It will happen at some point. 
Um, if I did, and you had to do the, the eulogy things, I, I would really, really like it if somebody said, only if they meant it, but if they said his life was gathered around Jesus. To me, that would be great. If you stood there and said his life was gathered around fishing or around cars or around motorbikes or around um, boats or around a good cup of coffee, whatever, I wouldn't be that impressed with that. I do like those things, but I don't really want to be known for those things. But I would like it if the testimony of my life was he was gathered around Jesus. His life flowed out of Jesus, not a little bit of Jesus flowed out of those things. No, no, all those things flowed out of Jesus. That's a testimony I'd like to leave, and I pray that one day I do get to leave. Um, Being the crowd and being the family are two quite different things in the passage, but we'll talk about that tonight. Who or what are you gathered around? It's a good question. It's good to think about. Who or what are you gathered around? Now, we're here this morning. That's a good thing. Uh, That would probably mean that Jesus is going to picture in here somewhere for us. But who or what is your actual life gathered around? I love the fact that the crowd was gathered around Jesus. They were gathered around Jesus. It doesn't even say they were gathered around the miracles. or They were gathered around Jesus. I, um, one of the things that troubles me a little bit in the church, not, but the church in the West, is that God conversations aren't as common as I think they should be. We'll talk about all sorts of things together. You know, we'll get together and talk about all sorts of things, but often God really makes it into the conversation. And I would think that as a church being gathered around Christ, God would make it into our conversations more often. And I would like to give you a little bit of a challenge this morning, that when you're having conversations this week and beyond, why don't you endeavour to bring God into the conversation? If your life is gathered around Jesus, why not make it a purpose to bring God into the conversation. If I was to start the conversation with Lance this morning and say, hey, Lance, how was your week at work? I would get a work answer. But if I said to Lance, hey, what's God doing in your world? What's God doing in the world of your family? I would get a completely different answer. But I think we need to see a lift in spiritual conversations. And uh, I mean, it's much easier to talk about fishing sometimes because you talk about a, a, a spiritual conversation, it actually demands more openness and demands something of you. But I really believe as we gather around Jesus, that spiritual conversations should be on the tip of our tongue. And uh, I'd like to just give you a little nudge in that direction. Go to Genesis chapter 3, if you can, because I don't think, I think Adam and Eve had a similar problem to what we have. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1 says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. 
God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened and soon you'll, um, as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? In verse 2, we see that the trees, there's trees in the garden and they've got fruit and the fruit are for eating. There's only one that they're not allowed to eat. But all the rest are there for their consumption. So the trees are the provision of God, aren't they? The trees are there, they're provision, they're food, they're shelter. The trees are the provision of God. God has given the trees to them as a blessing. They're good, they're to feed them, they're to sustain them To uh, They are the provision of God. Yet in verse 8, we see that they are now hiding amongst the trees from God. The very provision that God's given them, they now use as tools to hide from God, to evade God's Presence. It's really interesting, actually, the Scripture, if you, if you do a little bit of homework on the original language, you'll see that when God says God's walking through the garden, it, it means He's walking on open pathways. He's not like slinking in between the trees. It's open pathways that He's walking on. So God is walking on the open pathways, looking for them, and they've hidden themselves off the pathway amongst the trees or amongst the provision. I think the invitation today to us is exactly the same as what it was then. It's to walk with God. It's to know His intimacy. It's to enjoy His fellowship. Except not only in the evening, the cool breeze, but 24-7 through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are invited to walk with Him, to spend time with Him. So the invitation still stands But so does the problem. Adam and Eve hid from God amongst what was supposed to be the blessing of God. What God had given them as a blessing, they've now retreated to, to hide from His presence, to hide from His intimacy. And I think we do exactly the same thing today. What do we gather around? Who do we gather around? Well, sometimes I think we're gathering around the blessings of God rather than the person of God, Jesus. So instead of gathering around Jesus, we will gather around the blessing, work, education, finances, ambition, talent, whatever it looks like, we'll throw ourselves into those things 
which are actually the blessing and should flow out of the relationship, except we expect the other thing to happen. We'll throw ourselves into these things and if we get a little bit of Jesus, we're okay. But I noticed that in the Scripture, the crowd were gathered around Jesus. They were gathered around the person of Jesus. And it can be a real subtle difference. And I think at times we all do it. The very thing that God's blessed us with suddenly starts to consume us. And it will actually detract us or distract us from our relationship with Jesus, which is what it's all about. So suddenly, I'm, I struggle with this because I'm, I've got magpie DNA in me. don't know where it came from, but somehow it got in there. And if it sparkles in that, it grabs my attention and I'm like, you know, I'm easily distracted. Ask my wife. I'm very easily distracted. Mid-conversation, I'm suddenly in fairyland. And uh, I would say too many words, too many words. But um, she just says, I'm easily distracted. Uh, I can't help it. But, you know, some of you would know, no doubt, if I've had a conversation, you get 100% of my attention, of my attention, 100%, until it moves to something else. <laughs> and that's it. It's all over. And it wasn't that I didn't love you. It's just I got distracted. The crowd gathered round Jesus. It's really simple, isn't it? The crowd gathered round Jesus. They didn't gather around the blessings, the provision of God. They gathered around the person of Jesus. Scripture tells us if we lift him up, he'll draw all people to himself. It is so, so easy for us to get distracted and lift the wrong things up. And I'm not saying they're bad things. They're just not Jesus. They're not Jesus. We lift up Jesus. I wonder if you could describe your life as being gathered around Jesus. Gathered around Jesus. Because that would be a wonderful thing. And in essence, that's what salvation's all about. Isn't it? We make a conscious decision to gather our lives around Jesus and around what He's done. That's what salvation's about. We choose Him. He's done it all. He went to a cross. He died on the cross to pay, to, to, to repair the breach in the relationship. He did all of that. So the consequences of sin are now over. He gives us eternal life. He's about intimate relationship or that walk in the garden. He's, he's about that and that's what he wants to do. He'll, he'll give us purpose. He'll give us hope. He gives us a future. He gives us peace. But we've got to consciously choose that. Make a decision to pursue life according to his way. And we do that by simply gathering around Jesus doing it his way. If there's one thing that you leave with today, I'd like you to leave with this thought, gather around Jesus. Simply gather around Jesus. He's our priority. It'd be great if the musos could come, thanks. He needs to be our priority. 
our centre, our purpose, and everything else flow from that place. In a sense, I sort of, I sort of feel like Holy Spirit's fishing a little bit this morning. He's just winding in some correction. Going, come on, get your eyes back on Jesus. He's talking to me too. Get your eyes back on Jesus and not all the stuff. Keep him as the centre. Keep him as the priority. Gather your life around Jesus and who Jesus is and the purposes of Jesus.